everybody. Welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That with Will and Reese. Um, hey. Hey. How's it going? We took a little longer break again. Yes. Yes. But sometimes you just got to do that. Yeah. It's a sabbatical. It went on a sabbatical. I don't know what that means. You don't... Come on. Have you heard, like, your pastor say that before, like, back in the day, or... No. I feel like it... I don't... I don't really know the origin of it, because I've, I've only heard, like, religious people use it. No, I've heard professors use it, too. I think it's just, like, a period of break. Oh. I think it stems from Sabbath, Yeah, probably. we took a... We took a... Um, here, let me try it. We took a sabbatical, um, took a little step back, really just thought about... Reconsidering life. And yeah. Life and... And here we are to tell you our deep thoughts, so... Why don't so you go the, ahead and tell them all that yeah. you thought about? Okay, so the deep thought today. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Is what does the Bible say about the rapture? Yes, the rapture. Um, you know, maybe when you hear that term rapture, uh, you get a lot of thoughts, a lot of concepts. Um, maybe you've really studied it. Maybe you haven't studied it at all. Maybe you've just heard it in church thrown around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Or you um, saw the movie. Uh, left Behind. Yeah, or saw the movie or read the books about Left Behind. Mm-hmm. Um, really, like our our goal is, we just want to get into what the rapture is. Maybe some of the verses that uh, hit on the different schools of thought of the rapture, but mainly we want to get into why it really is important that we start looking at the rapture and studying the rapture, um, and just seeing how it applies to us today. Yeah, maybe even how it can. Uh, help deepen our Christian life, give us a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, maybe just more of a purpose, more of an influence. Um, yeah, I think like kind of like what we talked about, what was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. When we talked about the kingdom, it's it's really important, you know, as a motivating factor. Motivated, yeah. And I think the rapture even might even be, I don't know if it's more motivating but there's just different aspects to it that are, I think they're important to our Christian life. And that is our focus. Like we don't want to just talk about, you know, the, the what and the when and the how, though we will. And actually we'll primarily talk about that because it needs a lot of context. But our main burden or goal is that we'd get some application in how it affects our Christian life. Yeah. So where should we start? Well... I think you would know. Well, maybe the 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 um, I think we should, the most there's like a one set of verses in Matthew that are like probably the most commonly used to talk mm-hmm. about the rapture. That kind of start. It's the first time you meet the concept of the rapture in in the New Testament. There's types in the Old Testament, but you know it's not explicit. Um, but yeah, in Matthew 24, it talks about it. Right, 24. That's where the field, yeah, yeah. Shall I read the verses? Yeah, let's read the verses. Okay, this is Matthew 24. Um, We'll start at verse 40. It says, At that time, in the context of past 39 verses, he's talked about the coming of the Son of Man. He says, At that time, two men will be in the field. One is taken and one is left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One is taken and one is left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day the Lord comes. Actually, yeah, the next two verses are good too. Um, but know this, that if the householder had known in, in which watch the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. 
For this reason you also be ready, because at an hour when you do not expect it, the Son of Man is coming. Yeah. So that's really good. It, it kind of hits the... I, I know just growing up, I didn't really study these things too much, but I heard these terms thrown around, and you start hitting different verses. Like sometimes it seems like Jesus is coming back with a loud boom. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, everyone's going to know this big trumpet's going to blow. You're going to see God, you know, Jesus. Yeah. But then this one is like very mysterious. It's like he's a, he's a thief. You know, you're not sure when he's coming. Mm-hmm. He's taking these two people, and it's like one person doesn't really know what's happening. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So yeah. we need to fill in some holes here. Fill in the holes. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, just I think hitting the kind of just giving a general overview of the schools of thought would be helpful. Yeah. Like, I think most, well, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to do a study of, like, what most people, I'm sure someone knows or someone's done this study, where most Christians lie on the spectrum of who believes pre-trip, post-trip, you know? Yeah. I'd be curious to know. But I think a lot are, are pre-trib. That would be my gut, is that most are pre-trib. Which basically just means, like, I guess you say pre-trib, tribulation, they get taken up before bad things start happening on the earth. Yeah, the typical, like, you know, bad things that come to mind when you think about Revelation and, and the judgments. Um, not lake of fire judgments, but judgment upon the earth and upon man. Um, pre-trib is the thought that the believers, or some of the believers, are taken um, and are saved from having to go through that. Um, and so the thought is, like, because he's a thief, he's coming to, you know, take what's precious to him, right? He's take, coming to take his church prior to all these things. The post-trib, post-tribulation rapture thought is that after all the tribulation happens, then Christ returns openly and his church is raptured to the air to meet him. And then there's actually a third one that probably... A lot of people don't know about it. It's less popular, but it's um, definitely worth considering. And that one is partial rapture, hmm. um, where only some believers get raptured. Others are left. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the three main views. Um, and I think just through our discussions, we kind of kind of believe in all three. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, what can we... Can we come up with a term? Yeah. Pre-post-partial, pre-post-partial <laughs> trip. Everyone gets raptured at different times, at different stages, for different reasons. Exactly. Yeah, actually, you know, I guess we don't believe in the third because everyone... Yeah, okay, well, we'll have to just get into the verses. Um, yes, this would be good. Yeah. This is a good place to start. I think one thing to talk about as a general principle um, in interpreting scripture, um, one, we can't... A lot of times these systems of thought that have been established over years through tradition, um, we kind of end up thinking that they're, you know, mutually exclusive. Like, if if predestination is true, then free will can't exist. Oh, okay, yeah. These kinds of, kind of thought. Right. And a lot of times the Bible cannot be systematized like that. It really just throws you for a loop. And it asserts truths that... Maybe you don't understand how it's so, but, you know, they're both true. Mm-hmm. And you have to say amen. You know, you have to agree with the word in spite of your, maybe your 
system of theology yeah. sometimes. Um, so what we're going to do, right, this, this podcast is what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about the rapture? We're going to read verses that assert both as true, and we're going to say amen to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think also just, uh, you know, just a brief thought is it's, it's not, the rapture is not part of the common faith. Yes. You know, definitely the Lord returning is, mm-hmm. you know, but as far as the schools of thought here, I think, you know, we have liberty just to get into it, you know, and really do see what the Bible says and not hold it as a point of, you know, this doesn't make up oneness of believers, mm-hmm. whether whatever you believe of uh, the rapture, but it does just help you. I mean, hopefully getting into these things, you, it's, it's in the Bible, so we need to try to study it, you know, yeah. try to get into it, prayerfully consider, yeah, and then go from there. Yeah. If you if you disagree with us, we can still have fellowship. You'll just be wrong in our fellowship. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we don't divide on these things. Mm. That's right. Okay. Um. So which one should we do first? Should we look at? Because right, the people who believe in both of these schools, they're very dear believers. Who, I mean, who the people who started these schools of thought, they they know the word of God right. way better than you and I do. Right. They knew it very well. So surely there's scripture backing mm-hmm. yeah. both. Just curious, do you know um, when, like, these schools of thought started? Like, wh- whose writing we started yeah. seeing them in or whatever? Yeah, oh, what are their names? Well, I know the it started with the Brethren, okay. like the Plymouth Brethren with John Nelson Darby. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a split, actually, among the Brethren over um, the rapture. Do you know what their the name was? One of them was, uh, oh, gosh, what was his name? Of these guys? Yeah, yeah. I know Darby was a pre-trib rapture. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't okay. remember. I don't, I forget. But but this is, we're, we're mainly talking like 1800s. 1800s, yeah. And you know, there's stuff in, in the, like, the, the church fathers back in the day about the rapture. But really this thought was um, developed as we know it today in the 1800s from yeah. the word. It was really studied then. I mean, re- but really that's fair. It's like most theology that we get into today is like 1500s and later. Yeah, usually 1800s. 1500s, you get some cool stuff, but the main cool stuff cool. is 1800s. Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, let's do the pre-trip first right. aspect, show why that's true. Yeah. Um, maybe we should start with uh, Revelation. Revelation 3, verse 10. It says, he's writing to the church in Philadelphia. He says, Because you have kept the word of my endurance, I also will keep you out of the hour of trial, which is about to come on the whole inhabited earth, to try them who dwell on the earth. Okay. Sounds pretty clear, right? Yeah. Part of the reward for overcoming and for being faithful to the Lord in your life on earth is that he would keep you out of the hour of trial, which is about to come on the earth, i.e. the great tribulation. So the rapture is a reward to the overcomers, to those who are faithful to the Lord, right? Yeah. It doesn't say to all the churches that this is the case, but we, we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But the point is rapture is a being saved out of the hour of trial. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another one, I mean, I, I guess we can go also to Revelation 14. Um, Revelation 14 kind of hits on to 
two of them, right? There's two raptures here. That's right, yeah. And we know that. Uh, so this first one, Rev, uh, Revelation 14, 1, it says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Um, and basically this is significant because of the location of where they are, mm-hmm. right? So you have... You have um, you have the Lamb, Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you have the 144,000, and they're standing on Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. Mount Zion is the holy mountain. That's right. You know, it's uh, it basically shows Christ in his highest ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. In verse four, it says that these ones they were purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb, and so um, we know this is a, a picture of rapture. Um, because right after this happens, this occurs, or they're, they're seen there by John, then you have a quick, quick synopsis of some of the things that happened in the Great Tribulation um, in verses 6 through, what is that, 13. So, I mean, the book of Revelation is a difficult book to interpret because it's not always super chronological. They're telling a story, and it's showing sequence, and then it will just go back and tell something again in a different way. So that's what you have here in chapter 14. It's like the destinies of all these different kinds of people. And you have this group uh, who have not defiled themselves. They're virgins. And they are faithful to the Lord. They followed him wherever they went. And they were purchased from among men as first fruits. And first fruits is really significant. It's really significant um, because that's a, there's a type, it's a type of something back in the Old Testament. In Leviticus and Exodus, um, there were these feasts that would happen, and you would take your first fruits to the temple of God um, for this big celebration. So, what are first fruits? It's like your best, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's the first fruits, it's like I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know how else to describe. Well, think it. about think about uh, I mean, just the word itself, first, first. fruits. Not just meaning best, but also like it's the first thing that blossoms. Yeah. It's like prior to the rest of your harvest being, um, what do you call it? What is it when something's ready? Ripe, ripe, ripe. yeah. It's the first ripe of your heart, okay. of your of your field. Right. And that that's, I mean, I can, I can imagine that's the most joyful time. It's like I've been laboring all mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. hoping that they'll grow, walk out in the field, boom, they're ripe. Boom, exactly. And we're described, right, as God's, right, farm. Is that 1 Corinthians chapter 3? It says in verse, um, what is that, verse 9? Yeah, it says, we are God's cultivated land. Other translations say we are God's farm. He plants us, and then we're watered, and then he causes us to grow. Yeah. And so the first ones who are ripe, meaning they've matured, and they're good for food. Yeah. The Lord takes them up to Mount Zion to be enjoyed by the Father and Himself. Yeah. And and this really, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense that there would be this group of people to the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in the sense of when Christ died to now, it's been 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 2,000 years, even though He's God, it's like, that's... That's 2,000 years of generation after generation after generation mm. um, 
that apparently haven't met a certain standard, you know, mm. of, of what he's going for, of what he's working towards, or, or haven't had a, a specific willingness, you know. Mm-hmm. And so at this point in time, there's the first fruits, which are his, you know, wow, it's been so long. Yeah. These are the ones, you know. Yeah. They saw it, and of course it's, we credit everyone that has come before us, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's, we're, we get to be a part of the first fruits, whether that's the generations after us. Either way, you know, but but it makes sense. It's like, these are the ones who met the standard that I was. Yeah, there's finally something on the earth that pleases me, mm. right? Yeah, I remember this. This verse. I don't. Do you know where it is? Where Paul says like, um, we want to be found well pleasing. Well Can pleasing. No. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I think it's in Second Corinthians five. No, first. Yeah, maybe it's Second Corinthians five. I'm sorry. If it's not there, then we can just go on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, verse 9. Therefore also we are determined, whether at home or abroad, to gain the honor of being well-pleasing to him. Mm. And this comes just before the verse. For we all must be manifested before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one would receive the things done through the body right. according to what he's practiced, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. So there's this de- desire to be found well-pleasing to God. Right. And the highest desire is that we'd be so pleasing to him that he would just take us. Right. It would actually issue in the next yeah. age. It yeah. would issue in his coming back. Like, There's something on the earth that can satisfy me. Okay, I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, to think about. It's like that might have ruffled some feathers when I said, like, you know, finally there's been some people that have... Mm-hmm you know, accomplished it basically. It's like, it really, it's really important to see God's goal. Because obviously Paul got to a certain point hmm. that surely satisfied God. Yeah, you know? that's right. But seeing God's goal as a group of people, as the church, that's what Jesus said, I'll build my church. He even prayed in John 17 for the oneness. It's like there's a certain um, group, you know, of, of Christians that, that are filled with his life. It's like a I don't, I don't want to necessarily, necessarily say a numbers thing, you know, but it's like he doesn't just want individual spiritual giants. Exactly. You know, yeah. He, his, his heart's desire really is a group of people. That's one of the reasons, like, he's, yeah. seems like he's delaying. It's like the Old Testament, like, he doesn't want just some great kings or prophets yeah, that right. are really great. He, like, wants a, it's not the whole of Israel, right? It's a remnant of Israel, but a group a large group to come back and to rebuild Jerusalem. Mm. Like 3,000 or 8,000, I forget how many it was, but it's like he does need a group, not just a great prophet or something. Yeah. But I think, okay, so before we do the rest of Revelation 14, um, so that so the first part of Revelation 14 is there's some who are on Mount Zion taken up as first fruits to God, meaning they're, they're the beginning of the harvest. They're first ripened but there's still more of the harvest to be ripened. Yeah. Um, and the thought is that the great tribulation, while it is both a, while it is a judgment upon the earth, it also is a lot more than that, right? God's the whole time he's seeking that they would repent. If you read Revelation, it says, yet they still did not repent. This is to the unbelievers. But to his believers, it does even more. It actually helps in the ripening process. Wow, okay. In the great tribulation, believers will be undergoing persecution and will be under temptation to worship antichrist to join him yeah and they will have to stand as a testimony for the lord it's basically a a like 
a time of like hyper transformation of like you have to you know take this thing seriously now you only have three and a half more years really but it's really like the great tribulation is a mercy from the lord to the believers who aren't ready in that hey i'm here's you have some time and then there will be this this second the rest of the harvest will be ripened so there's a there's verses in first thessalonians 4 that are often talked about and these are more used for the post trib um the post tribulation rapture mm-hmm. view um it's paul speaking he says uh where is it at verse 15 for this we say to you by the word of the lord that we who are living who are left remaining unto the coming of the lord shall by no means precede those who have fallen asleep because the lord himself with the shout of command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of god will descend from heaven and the dead in christ will rise first then we who are living who are left remaining will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and thus we will always be with the lord so this it says right at the at the trumpet right mm-hmm. when christ is descending right those who are dead in christ will rise and then we who are living and are left remaining will be caught up to the air rapture language again um i like that rapture language rapture language <laughs> it's important though to show like he says there's two things about this group of people they're living which mm-hmm. means they haven't died yet and then they're left remaining meaning some have already been taken Hmm. Okay. To say left remaining would imply that there's. I mean, right? I've I've left a few of you still here, right? Though I've still taken, right? Some. So the majority of the believers are actually left remaining mm-hmm. to go through the tribulation at the time, but some of them. I mean, all of them in at the Lord's coming back after the three and a half years of great tribulation. The rest of them will all be caught up to the air to meet the Lord, right. to come be caught up to the judgment seat of the Lord, really. And some will have overcome during that time, some will have not. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. And so it's important, though, because um, it, it, there's language here, right? It says that he will come on a cloud, right? Where does it say that? Yeah, he'll be, he'll be coming. We'll be caught up together to meet him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Yeah. And then in Revelation 14... After it describes the tribulation that happens, so it says, right, there's people who are on Mount Zion. These are the pre-trib, raptured overcomers. And then it describes the great tribulation in verse 6 through 13. And then it says in verse 14, And I saw, and behold, there was a white cloud, and on the cloud, one like the Son of Man sitting, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle. So he's on the cloud, like in 1 Thessalonians 4. Yeah. And it says, send forth your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he reaped. So the first fruits are already taken up. And then after the great tribulation, in the verses in between these two, then he comes on the cloud. He's no longer on Mount Zion. He's on the cloud. Mm. And he's sending forth the sickle to reap the rest of the believers. Mm. And like Paul says, they were living and left remaining. They're taken up to meet him on the clouds. So it's really clear, right? Yeah. There's two different, yeah. Very, two very different things. So all believers get raptured 
but not all believers are raptured at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's other verses we can go to and we can do the man child. I don't know how much time we have left or how much longer we want to (laughs) go. We could do the man child. Yeah, let's look at it. I think it's interesting to to get into it. Yeah. Um, For sure. Okay. So it's just a couple chapters before in Revelation 12. So this is a... this is very interesting um, set of verses. Let's see where, yeah. So basically the male child, some verses, some translations like the ESV will call it uh, the male child, not the man child. Either way, mm-hmm. symbolize, I mean, same thing. Um, <clears throat> and for some reason, Satan hates this child, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the dragon. The dragon hates this child. you know, And it makes sense why he would in, in the case that, like, you know, they're overcomers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people that have conquered him on the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you could help us out some here. Mm-hmm. One school of thought with the male child is that it's Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, if yes. someone comes to you and they're like, hey, the male child, it's Christ, you know. Or they're asking you, why, why do you think that's a group of believers and not Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because the, so the verse, verse 12 says there a great sign was seen, or verse 1 in chapter 12, and a great sign was seen in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the woman underneath her, and the moon underneath her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child, and she cried out travailing in birth, and being in pain to bring forth. Then there's another sign, this dragon who's standing before her that he might devour her child. And she brought forth a son, verse 5, a man-child, who is to shepherd all the nations with an iron rod. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place there prepared by God so that they might nourish her there a thousand two hundred and sixty days. And war happens in heaven. The reason why this is not Jesus. Well, first off, yeah, people think this is Jesus, the man-child who's born by the woman. They think the woman is Mary because of two things. One, the child is caught up to heaven. They think it represents his ascension. And he shepherds all the nations with an iron rod, which is language that describes Jesus as the messianic king. Mm. The reason why that's wrong, um, to put it frankly, is because the woman, after she gives birth, she flees into the wilderness for three and a half years, right? A thousand, what is it? A thousand, two hundred and sixty days. And the events that are described around this have nothing to do with the time when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It has to do with this great tribulation that's occurring. It has to do with the end of the age. Mm-hmm. And... I, I respect the people who believe that because, like, just plain reading, you would think that. But similarly with the first fruits, right? Christ is called the first fruits in 1 Corinthians 15. But then in Revelation 14, the first fruits clearly is not Christ, it's his believers. And so it's not wrong to associate something with Christ, but also associate it with his believers, especially those who are really representing him as his overcomers. Right. And so there's a verse in Revelation. Um, in the early on in Revelation that talks about them shepherding the nations, right, with an iron rod. I think it has to do with Thyatira, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it Pergamos? Yeah, it's one of the verses. Yeah, Thyatira. So in Revelation 2, 
27, or actually 26 and 27, it says, And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my work, works until the end. Right? This is Jesus actually talking to them, right. to the church. To him I will give authority over the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron rod, as vessels of pottery are broken in pieces, as I also have received from my Father. Yeah. So this shows both. Yeah. I mean, it shows yeah. both. Exactly. In the same book, in Revelation, he describes, so it says, the overcomers will shepherd the nations with an iron rod, the overcomers, believers. Mm -hmm. And then in Revelation 12, we get this picture of the man-child who shepherds the nation with an iron rod. So it makes sense to apply the overcomers to this man-child. Right. It's the corporate, it, it's the stronger part of the woman is what it is, right. the man-child. And if you think about it too, it's like, the the iron rod in general, iron is not something like that would not represent really how Christ is shepherding us today in a mm. sense. Mm -hmm. Now it's more of his grace, it's of his forgiveness, it's of his mercy. Like we talked about last podcast though, the reward and punishment, there comes the righteousness. That's right. Right? There comes the, the righteous judgment mm -hmm. of the thing, which is is with Christ and also with his reigning believers yeah which is kind of what we're getting into here with the rapture mm -hmm. but that's that's another reason why it's like the time period aspect of it yeah right now christ isn't necessarily ruling with the iron rod mm -hmm. to his people but when he returns yeah he's manifested exactly as the king and so this woman is all of god's people and from all the ages from the israelites represented by the moon the christians which are represented by the sun and even the patriarchs prior to Israel, represented by the 12 stars. So she is the consummate people of God. But from her comes forth the man-child, this stronger part within her that can shepherd the nations and that can defeat the enemy. And it's described in here uh, that this, these people, they're those who overcame. They're those who overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony, and they love not their soul life even unto death. So the man child are those who overcome Satan on earth. Right. And they are brought forth finally from God's people. They're produced in the church, and God raptures them, takes them up to meet him. And the moment that happens, the great tribulation begins. The great tribulation begins because the man child, once he's raptured, once God's overcomers are raptured to the heavens, they can't stand Satan being in the heavens with them. Which, by the way, Satan is in heaven. He's in heaven. Yeah. And so they command Michael and his <laughs> angels to cast him down to the earth. Yeah. And Satan and his fallen angels being limited just to the earth, they're no longer allowed to be in the air, is what causes the Great Tribulation because then all hell breaks loose on earth because Satan's now fully unleashed on the earth. So... It's really crucial. The man-child, I like actually this thought, the man-child, and I was reading something recently um, that talked about like the, the rapture in Revelation 14 and the rapture in Revelation 12. It's two aspects. So firstly, there's um, Revelation 12 with the kind of warrior aspect. Like the man-child the, the, are those who overcome Satan on the earth. And then when they're raptured up to the heavens, they overcome Satan in the heavens, really. And then, so it, it's more this battle aspect, I guess. But then Revelation 14, it has to do with us being food to God. Food. Food to God. 
Okay. Because we're described as oh, first, first fruits, fruits. Got, okay. which means something that satisfies him, something he, you know, spiritually, right? He like consumes it, makes him happy and yeah. satisfied. So the overcomers both sad, both defeat God's enemy, but they also satisfy the Father, which is really the the greatest part of it. Like that, we can actually be those who satisfy the Father. Yeah. And we'll be so satisfying to Him, hopefully by faith, that He'll take us up to meet Him in the heavenlies. Yeah. And so yeah, this this thought. I mean, really, you know, our we can get into more verses about the rapture. There's actually others. Um, but I think the main emphasis is that the rapture is something that satisfies God's heart's desire. Yeah. It's something that helps accomplish his purpose. When when we are defeating the enemy on the earth today, the man child it says they overcame him, right? It's on earth mm-hmm. by the blood of the lamb. So we learn to take the blood to say when we feel accused by the enemy for something we've done, to not say we didn't do that, but to claim Jesus' blood as our covering right. and to tell that to the enemy. So I, I am covered in the blood. And then it says, by the, uh, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So to testify. Yeah. My testimony is Christ has died for me. Amen. You know, I have sinned, you're right. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then they love not their soul life, their own heart's desire, their own self-power. They love it not. They don't live by it. Even unto death, I'd be willing to be martyred for this. To overcome the enemy on the earth today, then you're taken up to the heavens and you deal with God's enemy once and for all. And then on the first fruit side, to be those who are so constituted with Christ, the one who really satisfies God, who are so much enjoying him, who are filled with him, who are expressing him, that we can be just like the Lord, where when the Father sees the Son on the earth, he says, behold, this is my Son in whom I found my delight, that we would be those who God can look down and say, these are my sons in whom I find my delight. So I think that's why the rapture is so important. It's like, it's the consummation of those who have accomplished God's purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, too, I was just sitting here considering is, like, you know, a lot of times I heard the rapture in aspect of um, what is in it for me kind of thing. It's like God is rewarding me, is rewarding me for basically being a Christian. Mm. I'm a Christian. He doesn't want me to suffer. He's going to pull me up to heaven. Yeah. You know, but what's odd to me about that is it's like, it, it anyways it, it's just it doesn't make that much sense with what's going on you can't really back that up with verses like all of Christians get raptured that's why there's more there's different schools of thought partial rapture mm-hmm. pre-trib rapture post-trib rapture it's like it's all there because we're at all at different stages mm. we're all at different places in our Christian life and <clears throat> really what it yeah is exactly what you're what it comes down to is what you're talking about which is like the highest point of this rapture is the satisfying of God, God being satisfied. Mm -hmm. And if we're doing, I think we experience it today, right? It's like we experience when we're satisfied in our Christian life, you know, uh, that usually means that God is satisfied. We taste it, you know. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, even Paul talks about loving the Lord's appearing. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, how many of us live in this way that is like, speaking to myself, it's like, most of the time, I don't love, I'm not going to love if Jesus appeared in front of me, you know. Yeah. I love Jesus, yeah. 
But if he appeared when I'm, you know, who know, you know, whatever, I'm not gonna love it. But we have the type of living that is loving his appearing. Yeah, those are the first fruits. Amen. When we can get to the point to where we're every single time, you know, it's like the woman in in, in uh, Mark. Yeah, she's is it Mark? She's she you know she's she's laboring. She's grinding at the mill, mm-hmm. and she's taken away. Yeah, she loved the Lord's appearing even in her daily life. Mm-hmm. Amen. I think one other aspect, too, just real quick, that we have to talk about if we're going to be faithful to really address this fully. Uh-huh. There's this verse in Revelation 1-3 that's really touched me recently. It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things written in it, for the time is near. And I think a lot of Christians are afraid of Revelation. They're afraid of the things that are mentioned in it, and they stay away from it because it's confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to be blessed. I want to be part of this blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps them. And so that's just one part of it. The, the things written in Revelation are important to us. They can actually nourish us. They, so, they show our, our hope, our destiny, and they're a great warning to us, especially a great warning to us. And there's the verse in Luke 21, um, Primarily, this is addressing the like judgments that you read about in Revelation that maybe keep people away. You should have a healthy fear of those and not want to go through them. And the Lord implores his disciples. He says, but be watchful at every time, hmm. beseeching that you would prevail to escape all these things which are about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. So we really should know the things that are going to happen to the earth and we should be those who are beseeching as the Lord commands us to. Lord, I don't want to go through that. I'd like to be, to be caught up to you to prevail to escape and stand before the Son of Man before this happens. Make me well-pleasing in your sight. Make me one who overcomes Satan. Lord, make me an overcomer for your purpose. Amen. So I think that's the, the crucial part. We're commanded to pray that we get raptured. Yes. It's, yeah. And we should. We should. So, yeah, this is good. I think we could stop here. But, um, yeah, I think this is good. I don't know what, what we want to do next next time. Do you, you have know, an idea? One of the things I was thinking about is I, getting into this same matter. I think it would be good if we talked about some of the signs. The signs of yeah, the Lord's coming? Of the Lord's coming. Ooh. I think that would be fun. It would be helpful to a lot of people. We might just do like a Revelation little series here. Done. We decide. We decide. Thank you for joining us for with what? Dang it. Wow. Should I continue? I kind of messed this up, but I think I'll continue. What does the Bible say about that? We appreciate you guys listening to us. We're enjoying this. Hope you are too. If you want to stay up to date with all the podcasts we're doing, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes podcast. Um, there's other apps. I think they do podcasts, but I don't know anything about them. But I think we're on them. So... Uh, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, you can't, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. Um, yeah, how are y'all doing? I'm sorry, I need to stop. Okay, goodbye.